0: You know, from a data protection standpoint, the, the, the core thing is if you can encrypt the data, encrypt it. <laughs> I mean, just honestly, do it. yeah, at, at, at the end of the day, just encrypt the data.
1: Welcome to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast, where we share short and to the point perspectives on the cyber landscape. It's all about engaging yet casual conversations on what organizations are doing to reimagine their cyber programs while ensuring their business objectives are top priority. With my co-host, Stan Wisselman, Head of Security Strategists, I'm Rob Arego, Chief Security Strategist, and this is Reimagining Cyber. So, Stan, who do we have joining us for this episode?
2: Rob, Chris Abramson is the Senior Director of Cloud Security Engineering at Walgreens. Chris's career spans over 20 years while working inside companies from the Fortune 50 to as small as 10 employees. And Chris, it's great to have you with us today to help us better understand how to Take Secure Cloud Computing to large environments. Uh, you've been working with Azure Defender uh, for cloud security, as well as helping secure applications as they're doing dev test and rolling out into production. So it's a hands-on kind of experience for our listeners that uh, are trying to deal with these issues. Uh, can you expand a little bit on your background for our listeners?
0: Sure. Um, so interestingly enough, my, my background actually didn't start in cloud. Um, I'm an app developer by trade. Um, That's where I started. And uh, coming into security was kind of a, a, I'll call it a mishap. Um, I hadn't actually anticipated going into uh, InfoSec. Um, I was on the programming route. And then all of a sudden, you know, things happened in uh, 2008, around that, you know, that period of time, or not 2008, Eh, a little sooner than that. Um, that just led me into the security path, and and that's where I ended up. And now, you know, over the span of the last twenty years, my roles my roles have changed: governance, technology, governance, um, back to technology, and today now it's in the cloud space.
2: Gotcha. Well, Chris, in, in two thousand nineteen, I believe it was Walgreens inked a deal with Microsoft, with uh, plans to move most of its IT workloads to Microsoft's Azure. Public cloud, and I'm sure that is keeping you very busy. As the one that's sort of like on point for securing cloud workloads, um, so the, the the consumption of cloud services at, at, at that kind of scale must be um, pretty daunting in the sense of having to rethink how IT operates in the broadest sense, and you know how security fits into these new processes. So, you know, how have you navigated this transition?
0: Well, a good chunk of it has been kind of a Microsoft-first approach. Um, we, you know, we've had to rethink strategy. You know, on-prem has always been about you know firewalls and IDSs and IPSs and you know technology that that you wrap around an environment. Maybe not so much in the environment, even though you know more companies have trended towards like EDR solutions on their servers and being able to monitor what's happening. But in, in the cloud, you're you're working in what equates to a highly coded environment. And so the nature of how things communicate with each other and talk to each other, um, that that's been the biggest change for us is how do we adapt to that type of world and how do we adapt to uh, securing that type of world?
1: Well, Chris, one of the things is also focusing on, you know, how are you actually shifting these application workloads to the cloud? And there's organizations have taken different approaches, right? You have the, kind of lift and shift approach versus yep. the, you know, we're going to go cloud native um, and, and you're going to take advantage of different services from the CSP in your case with Azure, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's multitudes of different deployment models. And it's probably some different kind of aspects of that in play, even with what you're doing within Walgreens. How have you gone about establishing some of the guardrails, right. To, to ensure that the security really truly is not being left behind.
0: Sure. So a lot of our, our teams work a lot with um, ARM, a um, little bit with Terraform as well too, and so what we've done is is we've partnered with our our what we our cloud COE organization, and we've designed security into that deployment model. Um, so where, you know, we're deploying. I'm trying to think of a good example, but I'll, I'll just say we're deploying a VM to an environment. Okay, we've we've built into that CI/CD pipeline the security model that we want wrapped around that. So as our as our teams, um, whether it be an infrastructure team or, or even an application team, go to do that deployment, they're hitting the the gates of security, not not at the end, not after everything's deployed, and then we have to go back and like try to figure out okay how now we're, how we're going to wrap security around this. But it's they're hitting it as they go, so they can make the changes, um, address the configurational issues, and then deploy in a way that is appropriate in our environment that poses the least risk to the environment as well too
2: so for our listeners um, arm is basically the infrastructure as code kind of <laughs> approach right for Azure
0: right? yeah the Azure resource manager platform so it, I'm, yeah, that's I'm sure like if, that
2: management capability level to be able to, to actually do those kind of um, deployments and 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 so you're using that as part of your your gates but are you also reviewing kind of the ARM templates that development is using?
0: Tell yeah, we sure actually, yeah, we go, yeah, we actually. go through a, a process with the teams where we develop the ARM templates alongside them. So instead of, instead of a team going off and, okay, we're going we're gonna to go build an ARM template to deploy Azure Databricks, okay? Uh, and they go deploy it and then they got to like put it through a process with security. No, we, we work with them. Alongside them to make sure that as it's built, as the as the code's being generated, as the checks are being done, all of that's put in there. So we don't have to we don't have to do this back and forth with our Mm. with our teams. It's inefficient. It 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 takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. So it's 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 a partnership between the two organizations. And by doing so, we've we've created this pod model where teams will get together. They'll focus on a PaaS service. And they'll start to build out that that IAC design, that infrastructure as a code design, with the security checks um, available to them.
2: And, and and as far as how rigorous do you apply those checks? Is it by risk? As far as the the risk level, um, or how how do you, or is there a differentiation? How do we make it? How do we make do? a
0: decision on what checks we're putting in there? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we've we've established our own model of guardrails, um, things that we we know by experience or by way of um, industry knowledge. These are the gotchas. These are the things that are going to hit you in a, in a security model. Um, I'm not going to name them off. <laughs> I don't want to give away the secret sauce to anybody, but we have taken a risk based approach, things that that we've seen um in, in articles that come through CVE data on vulnerabilities in the cloud, things that have, um, you know, been experienced by other companies made public, you know, either through articles or um, industry groups, etc. And so we're taking that experience and we're baking that into our, our design. So um, is it risk based? Yes. Is it it's more fundamentally, though, what's going to prevent um, bad behavior? things that we don't wanna have happen in the environment.
1: You know, one of the things that we've seen, um, let's say not taken as seriously previously, were the access controls relative to code repositories, right? Kind of of loose in the past, but obviously there's been a lot of changes in specific exploits at the code repos that needs to kind of change the way things are approached and actually be more Mm -hmm. rigid in the access control, be more rigid understanding, you know, who has rights back in, but access back to pull data back out to pull the details that we're seeing? And one of the obviously the ones that we're all very aware of as a main kind of uh, you know light the fire on this was around what happened with Solar Winds, right? It's a it's a yep. prime example of it. So so if you look at what kind of happened back then about a, now almost a year and a half ago, um, you know how has that kind of changed and what are some of the thought processes that you have taken in recommending different approaches for how you're, you're really taking. And locking down those code repos.
0: Yeah, th- this is a so this is a tough one because um, development teams always want the ability to 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 grab libraries, grab things that that are going to help them move quicker, get things done, um, deploy code. Um, this is I, I this is one that you know is still kind of an evolving space. I think just for anybody, it's still an evolving space. You know, and especially in a large company where you have a lot of development teams that are working. Um, this is one that, that fundamentally, um, really takes a lot of interaction between development teams and the security teams to make sure that, uh, they're, they're thinking about what the impact is going to be if they pull from some rogue repository or just, you know, off the internet and things like that. A lot of education, a lot of back and, a lot of back and forth. Um, but there's also, um, tools that, that we've implemented, um, that let us look at, particular libraries, um, you know, things that we feel are going to have major impact in in our larger applications and such. So um, we we do take a, a hands-on approach with them, but I think this is always going to be an evolving space because of the nature of just how software development moves quickly and things want to get done fast. So
2: and just a follow-up question on that, Chris, sure. I mean the the you know we're seeing a lot around that whole area around securing the software supply chain. Yep. And and getting um, getting things, you know, one of the one areas of trying to lock things down is around the code repro like we are just talking about, but there are other injection points, right, that bad actors can, you know, take advantage of, but also it could be an in, unintentional uh, kind of um, insider threats to developers and, and unintentionally adding risk. Are, you know, are, are you looking at that, or not necessarily, necessarily you, but is your organization looking at you know, software supply chain risk management as, as an area of focus?
0: We are, uh, it's, I I think, you know, going back to, I'll kind of go back to the days of PCI where, you know, third-party risk management kind of start, I think, started the ball rolling on this for a lot of companies. Um, It's, it's, there's that word again, it's evolved. (laughs) It's, it's kind of moved on from, just the, the person that you got to worry about to now you got to worry about the person's person's person <laughs> in that model. You got to think about, um, you know, software that you're buying from a third party that now also embedded software from another third party that likely <laughs> embedded software from another third party. That's the, Russian hard.
2: Doll, the Russian doll syndrome. It, right?
0: is, it is the Russian doll of, of software. It's, it's the, it's the concept of, you know, how do you know that you're comfortable with what's going on what you're bringing in whether it's a you know a cots application you know or um, some SaaS platform you know that that you're going to integrate through an api gateway of some kind you know that that you're you're comfortable with letting those connections happen and that's that's really what it comes down to is, is where you're connecting um, how you're integrating with these with these different platforms and such because you likely might buy something that you don't ever plan on integrating into your systems, you're gonna use it for something low risk, you may not care, um, versus you're gonna integrate it wholeheartedly into your environment, now it becomes a higher risk scenario. I think it still starts with uh, a strong vendor, vendor security management program, talking with your partners, understanding their security practices, what they're doing, um, and how they're managing their, their code, their releases, their ingest of of those same platforms or same libraries or same um, third-party integrations as well too.
2: And that's why asset management, right? And some kind of build materials associated with what consists of that application is very important, right?
1: Yep. So Chris, the, the CI pipeline needs secrets to operate because it needs to communicate with other systems to deploy stuff and access multiple things. These secrets don't belong in the code and all the systems to provide smarter ways of dealing with those secrets but you need to ensure that these methods of securing secrets are being used. So otherwise, if if you hard code your secrets, these tools won't stop you from doing so. What methods have you taken and then what do you recommend using to detect proper sharing of secrets and code and infrastructure as code templates?
0: So I I think there's a two-pronged approach here on this one, Rob. Um, Number one is a strong threat modeling Design around application environments and how they're ingesting that material. Um, that comes with with uh, an upfront architecture review, or and or utilizing tools that allow you to map your environments out to know where you're where you're connecting, why you're connecting, in what fashion you're connecting. You know, are you encrypting? Are you encrypting the the traffic? Things of that nature. Um, and then the the second part of that is is recursively coming back. Over time, the the secret stash. So whether it's a key vault, um, you're using, you know, you're using something from HashiCorp, you know, to integrate your whatever it is that you're you're modeling behind. Obviously, the main thing you don't want to do is you never want to put a hard coded password or a hard coded key in your in your code. Like that, that's just downright insane in this day and age because you have no idea who's going to touch that code, who's going to see it, which third party is going to have access to it. Um, you want to make sure that you have a strong um chain of custody around the 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 password the certificate the key whatever it is that you're you're trying to secure um for whatever purpose so it it does come down to that threat modeling piece but then also coming back over time and, and recursively are you updating are you are you reviewing who has access to those things are you looking at um what's being, what it's being used for still. Did you renew it? <laughs> Does it expire? You know, there's a little bit of what, what, you know, we all kind of refer to, I think in the industry as cyber hygiene, you, you got to come back and look at those parts and pieces over time and, and decide, did, did I do it right? Did I, did I um, implement it properly? Um, and is it getting updated? Is it getting replaced? Is it getting renewed? Is it, you know, is it being changed?
2: And, and getting that visibility that there actually are yeah. secrets there. And sometimes you have to scan that code to find that perhaps they haven't, you know, haven't done that. Know. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> you, you know what you don't. Yeah, exactly what you don't know. Um, and, you know, there's some really there's some really great products that I see coming out on the market that help with that that threat profiling, even even on a recursive basis um, where they where they can identify. um Things like what we're talking about here, like secrets exposure or um, misconfigurated systems, lack of TLS, you know, it, I think teams really need to start thinking about that, especially as their environments start to grow or they start to expand out beyond the reach of just a general like paper review or, or something of that nature. So there's, there, I think there's some really good stuff coming out in that space.
2: Well, one of the challenges we always run across is how to protect your sensitive data. Right, and and especially when you're dealing with uh, cloud data warehouses and those kind of analytic platforms that are large repositories of data, juicy targets, right? Um, you know, I, I think that you know the processes that you're probably putting in place to help gain visibility into that data as it's moving mm-hmm. into the cloud um, and working with your business units to help ensure that they're protecting that data, you know, and how it's being accessed. What what, what kind of approaches are you taking to help? ensure that everybody's in in line and in sync and has that visibility.
0: So I think, you know, from a data protection standpoint stand the 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 core thing is if you can encrypt it, if you can encrypt the data, encrypt it. <laughs> I mean, just honestly, yeah, at, at at the end of the day, just encrypt the data. Now, you know, for for a lot of companies and and, you know, um, you know, we're included in there. There's times where encryption just it doesn't work, um, you know, whether it's you're trying to do analytics, um, you're trying to do um, stuff that, you, you know, you just you can't. Encryption doesn't give you that that's that ability to do. Um, so there's there's other ways that I think companies need to think about this and other ways that, that we've thought about it. Um, wrapping environments um, in a in a in a model that doesn't allow you know access to um or very limited access to um you know, it's it's kind of the you know you called I'll call it the vaulted environment you know the 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 no no ability to touch change maneuver through or ingress or egress without somebody watching you do it you know um that's tough it's expensive um and it and it's it's highly operational because there's a lot of eyeballs having to to do that um hence why I say if you can encrypt it encrypt it because honestly encryption is the quickest easiest way to to protect your data and and you know if somebody can't walk off with the keys then you're you're in good shape and they can't walk off with the data because it's encrypted so um you know and in that space i you know i recommend a, a bring your own key model um especially when you're in the cloud because um if, especially if you're in a hybrid world your workloads shift move go from one environment to another one region to another um, and you know all the cloud providers, I think, have solid, you know, physical security controls and and even you know logical security controls. But there's always that one-off chance, um, and I I I recommend don't don't take that chance. <laughs> just don't don't do it. So if you can, you know, bring, bring your own key and and encrypt encrypt the environment. So that's that's really your your safest bet. But you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, as companies start to realize that you know they need data to do business processes or analytics or marketing or whatever the, the, the model is that you gotta do, there's gonna be times where that just doesn't work and you gotta be prepared for how you're gonna um, approach that um, as, a, you know, as a security organization, um, how you're gonna partner with the, with the business side of the house and, and IT side of the house and how you're gonna help them it, n- expose themselves as little as possible to the, to, the, uh, to the rest of the world and how they protect that, um, that information.
1: Well, Chris, I mean, coming on and sharing with us some of the different things you're doing, we really appreciate. It. I think you've only been doing this for three years. The, the The aspect of the cloud journey within Walgreens, and just in that time, the progression that you've made is just it's. We know a little bit more behind the scenes than what you're hearing today. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. But, it's um, pretty
0: staggering. I, I got to give a lot of credit to to our our. You know, cloud um, cloud organization, um, as well as you know our our internal security organization, and 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 actually the application teams as well too. It 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 is it is definitely a team effort when it comes to doing cloud, because it, it, it is highly 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 complex. There's a high number of touch points and it is it is very it can it can go bad very quickly <laughs> if you're not <laughs> careful <laughs> if you're not careful it can go bad very quickly well it so. speaks
1: volumes to what you're sharing as far as yeah all the different components to it but the teamwork that you guys have been able to really pull together and actually get on the same page to make it happen right the examples you shared around how you really do have kind of the security gates along the way versus Let's wait and see at the end what the actual security issues are. And then everybody has to go back. And now we've killed all this time, right? And now people aren't happy about that, right? The traditional battles that we've had in the past. So great shifting in there. And then my favorite is the new t-shirt that we're making for you, which is just encrypt it. So that's great. right we'll have to maybe talk to nike about it but we'll get you <laughs>
0: <laughs> sounds good rob i'll be <laughs> i'll be waiting with bated breath for that shirt
1: <laughs> yes yes indeed we'll have, we'll have it delivered so thanks again for coming on we truly appreciate you sharing your experiences there
0: absolutely i appreciate it thanks guys
1: hey thanks chris thanks for listening to the reimagining cyber podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode if you would like to have us cover a specific topic of interest, feel free to reach out to us and you can find out how in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by CyberRes, a microfocused line of business, where our mission is to deliver cyber resilience by engaging people, process, and technology to protect, detect, and evolve.